Good morning. It's Breakfast at the Broker every Tuesday morning. Uh, usually it's at 9 a.m., but we have a special guest today at 1030. Um, I want to give a proper intro, all right? Um, and now, by way of Delray Beach, Florida, formerly Chicago, Illinois, he was one of Chicago Realtors' top agents in Chicago. He is a top 100 agent in Delray Beach, Florida, for REMAX in the country. He is a Diamond Award winner, grossing over a million dollars in commissions. He is also a scout. He was a, a former scout um, for Dave Dombrowski as a Chicago White Sox, signing three big leaders. He once listed 60 homes in 60 days. He is Brian Bow Sells Homes Bowls. Oh, yeah. Congratulations Good morning. on Alabama. What's that? Congratulations. Congratulations on Alabama. Yeah, thank you. You know, so, you know, the crazy thing is, is, uh, you know, we tried to do this in-person thing, you know, and uh, it would have gone really, really well, the in-person thing, if we didn't have to be socially distant. <laughs> yes, yes. It works. So, so um, listen, uh, I really appreciate you coming back on, um, you know, and I really wanted to Gotta pick your brain and understand the value of what a real estate professional does, you know, because, you know, in this climate, in this market, especially in South Florida, where the demand is high and inventory is low, you know, we're having some obstacles here, aren't we? Yeah, we definitely are. I'm trying to convince everyone who is thinking of selling in the future to sell now because it's like the, the stock market. It can change so fast. I don't. I think we're going to be strong for a while. I, I hate to say this because people are suffering, but with COVID around, people are coming from New York and California, Illinois, Connecticut, New Jersey to Florida like crazy. Yeah, I mean the buyers' behaviors have changed. You know, where they used to, you know, come down to South Florida for a season or three or four months. You know, they're saying, you know what, we're just going to buy a place because we're going to want to go ahead and, you know, come down whenever we want. You know, it might not just be in January, February. You know, I might come down in April. I may come down in September, October, you know, and I really want a place down here. Yeah, I think they want green space, too. Um, you know, they want a backyard. They want to go out in the sun. If they're going to socially distance, they might as well be in their backyard in the pool in Florida. So tax here too. Agreed. And, and for this market, you know, I mean, we've seen markets like this before. I mean, you know, maybe not, um, you know, uh, you know, as quickly as the, you know, as things are going. But yeah, I mean, pretty much we've seen hot markets before, low inventory, high demand. Um, you know, and always what happens is sellers look at it or or people who are not realtors decide to get their own, you know, the real estate license and sellers look at it and say, oh, it's just too easy. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and sell the house for sale by owner because, you know what, um, I can do exactly what a realtor does. What do you think? I think he, I think anyone can buy and sell by owner right now, but knowing the contracts, knowing the pre-qualifications, knowing how to work with appraiser, appraisers, with the escalating prices from month to month. Um, I think selling a house is just one small step in the process of what we offer a seller or offer a buyer when, when they're looking for a house. 
I mean, there's a lot of steps that people don't aren't you know accustomed to. And what are those steps? Because, you know, when you look at sellers, sellers say, uh, you know what, you know, like I said, it's very easy to sell. We just put it on, uh, you know, on the MOS or we get a flat fee company or whatever we do. Right. We're doing it for sale by owner. We put it on, you know, Zillow or all these other kind of stuff and and, and to, to sell it on their own. But, you know, what people don't fail to realize is that, you know, most of the time it's multiple offer situations. So unless you know your way around the contract, especially a Florida contract, you're going to have a little harder time understanding what your obligations may or may not be. Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, when you have 12 offers, you have to decide what's, what's the best offer. Sometimes I tell a seller we're not taking that offer, and they say, but it's the highest, Brian. And I said, I don't think that's going to be the one that's going to make it to the closing table. I just heard Mike Nathanson on a little podcast yesterday he sold three on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and two were above asking, and one was full price, and he had 90 showings, and I believe he said over 10 offers. So you need a professional to decide which one's going to be the best offer. I mean, the more money the seller makes, the more we make, but we want to make sure we pick the right contract that's going to close. That's, yeah. the, that's the end result. If we pick the wrong one, waste 60 days, they're saying, Brian, nice working with you. And we're going to call Dave Searle now. So, you know, it's, it's our job to make sure we're going to pick the right contract that's going to make it to the closing table. Sure. And, you know, time is money. And, and, and it's certainly, you know, the frustration that, you know, sellers feel um, in this market, you know, um, you know, like kind of pale in comparison to what the buyers feel, right? The, you know, the, the buyers right now are, are, are just frustrated. And, you know, we have a, a really true affordable housing crisis coming up because the demand is so high. And you know what's unusual to me is that we used to have California and Chicago mostly went to the West Coast of Florida. Um, but now they're coming to the East Coast. Now they're coming to South Florida. So our demand, our demand domestically is really increased in the South Florida market. Well, there's so much it's become a destination spot. I mean, Delray is, you know, I'll go on Atlantic Avenue when it's safer, but um, there's so many options on the avenue or we have great beaches. We're close to spring training and Boca has great restaurants and, and Meisner Park. And there's a lot of things to do in South Florida. You know, COVID has certainly changed the way we do business and the way we look at things and the behaviors of things and how we react to them. You know, when you're looking at, you know, Florida, you know, we we don't realize like how fortunate we write we really are because we look at other places and, you know, a lot of them are either shut down or they have, you know, um, outside seating in restaurants, you know, things that will, you know, that you know, you have to be safe and obviously use COVID um, safety protocols. But, you know, we're pretty much able to f freely go wherever we want, make the decisions for us and our family and our best interest. And I, I think that's also what's uh, spearheading some of the demand is that people want to be, you know, they're, they're tired. They've been nine months, you know, cooped up in a house, not being able to see a lot of friends, family, and do some of the things that they normally would have done. Yeah, I mean, up in Chicago, 
at minus 30 below right now. My friends are stuck inside. And so, I mean, when I tell them it's 70, 80 degrees, they're like, you're so lucky. I remember, you know, except for going to baseball practice, you'd be stuck or school, you'd be stuck inside for like four months. And it, it's, it was like the sign of spring. You're like, oh my God, thank God spring's here. So, you know, I always thought, you know, when I when I saw you and, I, and you go into your office and you, and you look at uh, your marketing techniques from uh, back in Chicago, I always thought those were interesting. Tell us a little bit about your marketing back in Chicago. It was kind of just a, a little bit different, so, you know, kind of stood above the crowd. So my marketing in Chicago was Foles um, Moves Homes. There's an ad of me pushing homes and they're leaning and I was on billboard benches. Um, I had, you know, me against the hourglass, baby new year. Time is running out, sell your new home. I was coming out of the cornfields. If you call him, he will come. Um, I was in a tree holding bananas. Brian doesn't monkey around when it comes to selling your home. Um, so it was effective, but one of my friends called me once and said, Brian, your ads are unprofessional. And I said, what's the first thing you look at in the Beverly Review? The Beverly Review was our local newspaper. And she said, I go to your ads first. And I said, thank you. So a, a fellow competitive agent was going to my ads first. So I knew they were working, even if they didn't like my ad, they still went to my, flipped to my page first. So we, we did um, everything. Yeah, you know, it's um, I think too many people try and kind of go with the crowd, um, especially as real estate professionals. We're like, okay, we're supposed to direct mail, so we direct mail, and so we're supposed to send market reports and just lists and just so, and that's all well and good. But you know, you have a twenty-year you know track record sending out postcards every month and the sign of consistency. How, as a, a real estate agent getting into the business, am I ever going to compete with that? Well, the only way you can compete with that is doing something different. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think when you know, I go back into business, I might go back to those ads and, and stand out. At least they'd be talking about you. I remember there was an agent, and I hope, I don't know if she's still in the business. I think her name is Sandy Shine, the, the hat lady. And she was known for wearing her hats on showings and listings and uh you know, Don King with his hair. They, so you, he, he stood out. That was his, his branding. Frank McKinney, the local developer here with his rock and roll hair, doing his crazy outfit. Sorry, Frank. Um, his purple hair, his blue hair, his white hair. Um, but he stands out. Yeah. Um, he, he's branding himself. Yeah, and, and you really do need to stand out because, you you know, branding is so important, especially nowadays, you know, when you're looking at it. I mean, look at the SNL skit, you know, the SNL uh, Zillow Remax skit. You know, um, you know, people have been giving flack about Remax and stuff like that, about, you know, Remax Donna or whatever her name is. Um, but I just think it was great publicity. It was hilarious. And when you thought about real estate, you thought about Remax. And it was pretty, uh, that was pretty cool, pretty powerful. Yeah, that, that was really bad, and uh, you know, got the Remax brand name out again. So, sure. and it was during the Super Bowl, so that was a big, the biggest audience ever. Agreed. Now, when you're talking about you know your habits, right? 
um, you know, the vital activities you do on a daily basis are very important. And I always say that, you know, from, a, from an agent's perspective, you know, we all have the same amount of time in the day, all, all you know, days in a week and, you know, days in years, whatever, uh, months in a year. Um, but, you know, it's what you do with those days. It's, it's the, you know, least amount of waste uh, full time and, and, and such. You know, tell us a little bit about a day in, you know, day in life and Brian Bowles' day. So when I, when I come here, the first thing I do is schedule what my assistants will be working on today. We're trying to get new business, and, and we're looking at where our deals are right now. I think we have 18 pending, so I was looking at it today. Who owes, is there any escrow money due, or is there any inspections coming up? Are we all in line with everything? So then I go on to, I call it drip, where you stay in front of your people, but try not to be such a pest that they say, Brian, stop it. It's it's hard right now because this is the lowest amount of listings I've ever had in my 34-year career. So you're like, gosh, I want to call that person who's going to list in a week again. And you have to stop yourself because you just have to say, okay, they're going to be calling me in a week or, you know, just you don't want to pester them so much that the only listings that you're, are in your pipeline, you lose. So you want to make sure they know that you're out there. You want to give them valuable information. Your neighbor just sold for X amount of dollars, something valuable. But if you don't have anything of value, don't call them. They yeah. know. I mean, they know. So, you know, you, you, you come in the morning, you, you get ready for your assistance. Um, you know, you, you make sure, you, you know, you're, you're clear and concise as to what their tasks are for that particular day and getting ready. You know, what are you doing in the afternoon? You have to, the mornings is always prospecting and working on returning emails and setting up uh, showings or listings. The afternoon is always for listings or showings. The morning is always trying to develop new business, cultivate new leads, um, new business, um, talk to past people, pet your sphere of influence, see if they have any friends looking. The hard, the hard part when you've been in the business a long time, you lose the basics. You don't stay in touch with your sphere enough. You don't write handwritten notes like you did when you first started. You're not doing the things that help grow your business because you're you're busy with your current business. So there's a lot of things that can help me grow my business to another level that I'm not doing and I should be doing more of. But I you only have 24 hours in a day, so you kind of run with the people that are looking now today or are looking to list in the next month or so. I had a guy text me once to see a home Saturday. And I said, when are you thinking of buying? He said, in six months. And I said, it's a little early. And he said, well, maybe I'll just see it with someone else. And I said, no, no, I'll show it to you. But I just want to let you know, it's kind of early in the process to be looking. So, but I'm going to go out with them and develop a relationship. And hopefully someday we'll work together. You know, and that's the difference of, you know, a, a I don't know, top agent or, or a work ethic in a, in a top agent, you know, it's, you know, it's not just about showing a home and selling a home. 
It's about creating those relationships, building those relationships, and listening to what the customer, if the customer needs six months or a year to understand the market before they're purchasing, well, if you want that particular buyer, you better, you know, you better do what they ask you to, um, you know, to a certain degree. And obviously it needs to fit within your business plan. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. Well, here's the thing in the business nowadays, they have so many options. They have so many real estate agents they can call. If they don't like your answer, they'll call one of 17,000 agents in Palm Beach County. I mean, they can go on the next one. How the business has changed since I started in Chicago is if you don't text someone back right away, they're like, is, is Brian okay? You know, you only have a few minutes before they're on to the next person and uh, before you lose them. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, um, you know I remember Mike Ferry used to teach, you know, kind of a, a program essentially. And he, he used to say that, um, you know, you, you shut your phone off at five or you do a voicemail, you know, um, you know, some of the other coaches, you know, talk about, you know, just doing voice. I return my phone calls between 12 and one every day. And if I, you know, if you're after that, I'm going to call you back in the morning. And um, yeah, that, that probably doesn't work today. <laughs> no, I think so, you know, you, you know, listings is a name and a game. He or she owns the inventory, owns the market. And when you're looking at, you know, listings and prospecting for listings, as you said, it's, it's very difficult in this in this kind of a market right now. Um, you know, what are you doing something maybe somewhere different? Because, you know, we've talked, uh, you know, over the years and, you know, you'll go on a ton of listing appointments and, you know, you'll, you'll you know, you'll get majority of it. But it's the two or three that you didn't get that really, uh, <laughs> really make you upset. You think? So you know, it's hard because there's, you know, right now everyone's offering um, lower commissions um, and where you almost have to make a decision. Is it worth me taking a listing, you know, when it's this, this low of a commission? I mean, some people are taking commissions for, you know, I see in the computer where they're paying out $100 to the other agent. I went on a listing yesterday. And I said to the lady, why don't you offer me a little bit less than the selling agent? Because there were quite a few number of listings in her neighborhood, which was rare. And I said, well, why don't you offer three and a half percent payout? So your listing will attract other agents uh, to show it and not uh, just offer two and a half while we offer three and a half. So they'll be pushing your listing. I mean, us as agents, you know, we want a nice um, commission on the other side when we're representing the buyer. So I try to always get three percent. Well, I mean, you try to get the, as much as you can. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, you know, we talk about commissions, but commissions are all negotiable. And, you know, when you're looking from a, you know, seller's point of view, you, you know, the seller dictates, you know, the offer of compensation and such. And, you know, and our business model it dictates, you know, individually what agent can, you know, what you're willing to take or what you're willing not to take. So, you know, ultimately, you know, when we take listings, 
you know, yeah, I do think that there's pressure on uh, some reduced and lower commissions, but there is, you know, there's a certain degree of value in what we do, uh, you know, as far as, you know, step-by-step, you talked about the process. Perfect example, you know, who has a, you know, proven success strategy for sellers to get the most amount of money in the least amount of time. And, you know, and that's, you know, what you're providing, you know, there's a track record, a 34 year track record um, is pretty impressive um, as opposed to someone coming in and saying, you know what, I'll, I'll lower my commission to X. Well, you know what, ultimately, you know, as the old adage says, you get what you pay for. Yeah, I agree. Three of my next five, five closings are I'm the second agent in. So, and I didn't even change the price. I, I listed a, a property at 1210 Palm Trail, and um, I think we sold it in 24 days and we kept the price the same. And we got close to asking a cash deal um, that we just put on social media today, I believe. Yeah, you know, it's um so you know, as we go through this market and and such, you know, what are you looking at? Um, you know, because when we when you look as a as an agent, and I certainly look up to you as an agent as a top hundred um agent in in the country um uh, for Remax, you know, you know, um you made diamond level last year, which uh you know, congratulations. And you know, and you know, and I see the hard work and the work ethic. I mean, think about it, like you know, our whole world turned upside down as of really kind of in that March, you know, the end of February, beginning of March last year. And a lot of agents just kind of curled up in a ball and, and said, why me? Why me? You know, it's kind of like the um, who moved my cheese, um, you know, book. I think that is a pretty apropos to it. Um, and you went ahead and uh, went to go find a new cheese, I think. Yeah, I, I, I had to four weeks of uh, COVID. I didn't know how to handle it because I'm like, I felt if I called people, I should just call them to make sure they're healthy and not talk real estate. And then I finally think pe- the switch turned down where I said, I think people already talk real estate. And so I just went in with the mindset, this is what I do for a living. People want to talk real estate or talk about other things. We all know there's a pandemic out there. And um, I know you came to me and said, you think you're going to make diamond this year? And I said, yes. And you said, well, you got a ways to go. And I said, why not? Why can't I do it? I mean, I never tried to think of, you know, listen, there's bad news every day in, in the world. So you try to block out the noise. When we, When I was in pro baseball, I would tell the upcoming prospects, you know, just made it to the big leagues. Don't read, don't read the newspapers. Just do your job. Don't read about that you're playing poor and this and that. And I saw some guys just get destroyed by newspaper clippings and, and the the Hall of Famers that I saw, like Tom Seaver, he just knew he had he was gonna be great and didn't didn't read anything. You know, he would do crossword puzzles and then go out and throw a shutout. And so you know, I watched Tom Brady Sunday, and he made a comment that if I throw an interception, I just learn from it and go on and try to win the game. And he's just so poised. I mean, he's not the best athlete we've ever seen. He doesn't run fast. He uh, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the NFL of all time, but he's just so smart of a leader. 
I mean, he sees four guys. He may check off on three guys and then hit Gronk as his fourth option. And um, he's just a genius on the field and a great leader. So he doesn't let the distractions of no um, camp or playing with these guys for the first time make – he doesn't make excuses why they shouldn't win the Super Bowl. He's like, we're going to win the Super Bowl. And I, I was like, they destroyed Kansas City. I was shocked. So um, I think you change your mindset. You adapt yeah. to the world. COVID's not going away. I don't know when it's going away, a year from now, two months from now, two years. So you deal with it. I mean, we don't have any options. I mean, you try to stay safe, keep your mask on, socially distance, but, you know, there's opportunities right now in, in real estate, and I think people are blaming COVID for why they're not doing well when they should be doing really well. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. You know, um, you could really just make excuses for anything that you do, um, or you could uh, embrace them and uh, change the perspective, change the, change the message, and have more meaningful um, conversations. You know, the other thing that uh, you do really, really well, besides just the process, is having the knowledge of a market and knowing what your competitors are doing, um, you know, what what they're saying, you know, what they're, uh, you know, what the uh, average price per square foot in a particular area is, you know, um, knowing how many listings are coming up and knowing them immediately so that you have a leg up on the competition. Tell us a little bit about how you gain that knowledge of the market and what do you do to continue to further that knowledge going forward? Well, I look at areas that, that I farm every day and see if there's any new trends or any changes in the market overnight. I mean, you have to, you have to know what's going on. Did, did two new listings come up in Lake Ida today or did two sell? So if two sold, it means that it's even more of a seller's market. If two came up, against one of your listings, then you're like, well, we got a little competition now. Maybe it's going to be a little tougher and we might have to tweak the price down the road. So you watch to see what's going on. Lately, it's been more of there's no inventory. So you're like, well, how, how am I going to price this? I'll give you an example. I went on a listing on the water four months ago. The teardown sold for 930000 and I said, what am I going to ask that's going to be attractive enough for a builder to tear it down, but yet not scare off anyone looking at it? So I asked a million one twenty-five. So it went from nine thirty to a million one twenty-five in four months. Same exact eighty-foot waterfront lot, and it sold in an hour. So I mean, and you're thinking to yourself, did I leave money on the table, or was that in? I thought maybe that was the, the attractive price for the builder. No, I agree. Um, you know, you're, uh, you know, when you're having the knowledge of the market and you're understanding the trends of the market, you could price it appropriately because the price entry point has never been more important than you know right now. Um, you know, if if you look at the properties that are staying on the market, you know, when I say staying, anywhere from 30, 40 days on. You know, those are properties that are just overpriced, you know, you know, or they're, you know, just wrecks and, you know, people don't want to do the, the work. But, you know, if it, if it is nice or upgraded and renovated and, you know, and it's overpriced, 
as long as it's not overpriced, like, you know, 10, 15, 20%, it's going to sell. Yeah, if it's price, definitely, because there's no excuse with 2.5% interest rates, no inventory, uh, no state tax, the warm weather, uh, a pandemic. Um, if it's not selling right away, most listings you're seeing now are selling in one day. Yeah. Uh, I presented three offers for the same buyer Friday, um, a buyer from Kansas City I worked with 20 years ago, and he called me back, and we presented an offer. There were five offers above asking on a house in, in Delray, and then we went to the second one. It had been on the market two months, so we figured we'll get that one for sure. That went for cash deal. And so then we went for the third one, and it was just reduced, and we got that one. But the first two, we had no chance. There were five offers above asking. We were not a cash buyer. So if you if you don't have your mortgage set up, I use Craig Stelzer. Uh, there's a lot of great mortgage lenders, but I know Craig can get me an approval in 10 days, clear to close. And so you better have your, your mortgage set up as a buyer in this market if you're not a cash buyer. Because be they might no, you if you if they might wait the 10 days, Dave, if you have a better offer, they're not gonna wait 45 days for a loan approval. Yeah, uh, you got to be prepared for the opportunity. I mean, you know, the days of, you know, going ahead and writing an offer and then coming to terms and then going to get pre-approved um, or even being going in, a you know, the car and, and, and seeing a house before being pre-approved or having your proof of funds. Um, you know, it, it doesn't make not only does it not make sense and it's a disservice to you because you really truly don't know if you can afford the place, especially if you're getting financing. Um, but it's a disservice to everyone because then you go ahead and now all of a sudden everything's rushed. You got to get the pre-approval. You got to get sign the offer. You know, um, you know, maybe you're going to get beat out by multiple offers and, and those kind of things. And, you know, there are tricks of the trade that we can do in order to get our, you know, offers through. And we've talked about it, you know, anywhere from, you know, putting together maybe a longer inspection contingency by waiving the mortgage contingency. Um, you know, there are things that, we, you know, we, we can uh, figure out on a multi-offer situation. But, you know, uh, I appreciate you, Brian, uh, coming on. Thank Should you. Yeah, I mean, I've been with Dave 20 years, and thank you. You, you pushed me to um, reach newer heights. Brian, uh, you're the best. I mean, uh, you know, um, always approachable. Um, you know, uh, your, your processes are second to none. Um, your routine um, and habits and discipline are second to none. And uh, we certainly appreciate you and, and everything that you do for the real estate industry. It's not just about, you know, our office or our agents, because uh, you have more relationships with agents than I've ever seen before. And, um, and it's a testament to your character and integrity. So. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. Can I so, ask questions? Yeah, I got you see that? You, not only that, you're prepared for the opportunity. You already know the last two questions. You handed me the questions before this interview, right? Uh, I, might, I might have. So, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll go a little different way because I know you're a movie critic. What's your all-time favorite movie? Oh, gosh. 
maybe Shawshank Redemption. That's my yeah, I love that. That's one, you know, the funny thing is there's a certain certain few movies that when you're cycling through, uh, you know, your channels and it comes on, you just stop and watch it for the hundredth time or whatever it is. It was yeah. very clever. Um, what are you currently watching, either streaming or what are you excited for for uh, on a movie? I just finished Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched uh, a couple of Netflix movies and uh, – I watched the uh, HBO documentary on Tiger. Uh, they had a two-part series. I thought that was interesting. Everything he'd been through, the trainings of uh, what his dad Earl put him through as a kid to become a prodigy, to become Tiger Woods. And uh, I thought that was interesting. I mean, he's, he, he's amazing in his mental focus on the golf course. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I've watched Cobra Kai, so did Kathy Hyatt. Um, you know, I think a lot of people did. Uh, it's kind of like a train wreck, you know, <laughs> you just can't turn away. Um, it was funny and you know, nostalgic, I guess I would say. Um, it's amazing. I want to go back to a past, you yeah. know, I go see Sticks play at uh, Coral Sky or Chicago or Boston, or you know, we all want to go back to our past. No, agreed. So, um I, you know, I just finished a, a really good series called Lupin. It's a um, it's kind of a French show that's dubbed, um, but it's about a, uh, it's kind of a, a cross between the Thomas Crown Affair and Money Heist. And it's phenomenal. Really, really phenomenal. One of my, one of my favorite shows that I've seen recently. So, Brian, as always, uh, Bull Sells Homes. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, giving some value and insight into your business. Um, and we appreciate everyone's support. Um, we did uh, receive the Risk Media Trend Center 2021 uh, Newsmaker Awards. And uh, we're one of uh, nearly 300 people in the country that have received it. So we are very excited and thank you for our loyal supporters and people that, um, uh, you know, just watching. And, uh, you know, we're like, we're trying to perpetuate that professionalism in the industry as well as uh, collaboration. So uh, we very, very much appreciate all of you. And next uh, week, Breakfast with the Broker, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. or thereabouts. Thanks so much, Brian. Take care. Have a great week. Congratulations. Thank you.